Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. Hollywood has made voodoo synonymous with exotic horror, and the mystery of this closed religion has made it a point of fascination for many outside of African culture. It's also become something crossed between a cautionary tale and urban myth for new, non-black witches. But what is voodoo, really? I think they're doing a horrible representation of any sort of African spirituality. This is Mambo Sierra. She's an initiated voodoo priestess. Because they're not really going to the source, they're just basing it off of what they think, you know, and it automatically goes to the devil or fear or evil or something bad. Voodoo is a West African religion and came to the Americas via the transatlantic slave trade, forced to practice in secret and forbidden from any sort of education so that they can write down their tradition. Voodoo was handed down orally through generation after generation in the Black community. Meanwhile, Outsiders have hyped and distorted voodoo as something so utterly other, often forgetting that the practitioners are regular human beings. When we have the fets, they are celebrating the loa and honoring them. So they come and they get service and they get, you know, what, what's meant for them so that we can continue to be prosperous and continue to go about our daily lives. I hope this interview helps to dispel any unhelpful myths about voodoo. And I also hope that this interview helps to demystify and to de-exoticize voodoo. I really enjoyed speaking with Mambo Sierra and I hope you enjoy the interview as well. It was beautiful how everybody was celebrating and how everybody came together. And there was just so much joy. And then I just knew that, that it was for me. I just knew it. To see the full 78-minute interview with Mambo Sierra, become a member at patreon.com slash witchesandwine. I always do this ritual where it's like either zhuzhing the hair or zhuzhing whatever it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes. Hello everybody, Chowan here, and I am just so thrilled to be able to speak to Mambo Sierra. Hello, thank you for having me. I've often used Mambo, maybe incorrectly, to mean sort of the equivalent of a priestess. Mm -hmm. Yes. And am I also correct to assume that just because you happen to attend a voodoo ritual doesn't mean that you could automatically call yourself a Mambo? Yeah, that's that's definitely correct. You cannot do that. <laughs> yeah, so Mama Sierra, like, I'm curious to know how you got into voodoo and what your journey was like. I really kind of just fell into it. I don't really even think I did. I never chose it. It chose me. I always say that. When I moved down to South Carolina nine years ago, um, my my ex um, he was really heavy into getting into voodoo and stuff. And, you know, I was just supportive. And so one day uh, I had called Hudu Simoise, who is my godfather, 
um, I called him and asked him about, you know, joining the house. And he said, well, first you should probably come and see a, a voodoo ceremony. In 2015, 16, I went down and see a, um, to a fet, it's called a fet, and it was um, for fet cousin. And that is um, the law of agriculture. I didn't really know what to expect. And I had no idea what was coming. And the first time um, the drum started going, it's like this electricity that flows through your body. I, I can't really explain it. I saw the spirit come down. You actually saw the spirit come down. Yeah, well, it, more or less, I felt it, and then the spirit goes into the shawl. The shawl is, is we call a shawl, but it's a, it's a horse, but it's, it's a person. So the You're spirit not. actually goes into a person who's present at the, the ceremony. Yes. Yeah, when I felt that, and it was, it brought me to tears because it was so, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful how everybody was celebrating and how everybody came together and there was just so much joy. And then I just knew that, that it was for me. I just knew it. Yeah, and then from there I went, I went ahead and I conzoed, I went to Haiti. I conzoed and became a um, Mambo Sapuin, which is like the second ranking. And then I went back in 2018 and conzoed again to become a Mambo Sagwe. When most people hear Godfather, they're thinking, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. But that's not exactly what you mean, right? No. Um, the godfather is the person that kind of takes you under, your, under their wing and teaches you. Can it also be a godmother? Yes, yes, of course. What is the purpose of godmothers, godfathers? Well, they, the godparent prepares their initiate to run their own house prepares them to help their own godchildren. You know, they give them the knowledge and helps them to prepare fets and um, how to um, approach the loa and how to um, do service and how to serve them and give them all of the things that they like, the loa. It almost sounds as though the godparents are kind of like mentor, teacher, mm -hmm. loving disciplinarian sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, so it's like, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. Like a parent in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. You get another parent. The strictness is to keep the purity of the mm. practice. It's yeah. to make sure that no one's messing around and, and taking shortcuts and putting in their own spin. It's to keep it pure, to yeah. pass along for hundreds of years in the most purest form. What would you say to that, Mambo? I, I would agree 100%. It builds a foundation. In the person, yeah, definitely. You also mentioned FET and Lua, mm -hmm. and um, maybe people have seen this online where sometimes it's spelled L-O-A or L-W-A, yeah. and they're like, Loa? Louis? <laughs> what, like, how do we say it correctly, and who are the Lua? Um, the Loa are spirits that we serve. If I had to put it in, like, like a layman's term, like archangels, you know? Oh. If you had to, you know, kind of spell it out for somebody, like archangels, you know, they're not gods, they're not deities. I think a lot of people get this confused. They think of the law as like gods. So would you say that they've had incarnations as human beings? Yes. Some of them, not all of them. 
some of them, not all of them. Are there gods in Buddhism? There's a, yeah, we believe in one God. There's one God we um, refer to God as Bonnier. What we've been taught is that God takes care of the bigger stuff, you know, the non-mundane things, the cosmos and all of that jazz. And the Loa are here to help us with our stuff. They're sort of like messengers? Yes, yes, messengers. Because if, if we ask for something and if they don't know if it's our path or something, they'd have to go and ask Bonnier. The Loa are amazing. They are beautiful. Voodoo is beautiful. The depth of it is, is, is just unbelievable to me. Like I still get goosebumps just thinking about um, how much it has helped my own personal life. It's given me a stronger foundation within myself and who I am, more confident. You would have talked to me a few years ago, I wouldn't have never done this interview. <laughs> and a fet, as you mentioned, that's the term that is used to describe like a ceremony, like a voodoo ceremony. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, are these fets, do they happen often, once a week, like a Sunday mass no. or something like that? No, because it takes a whole lot of time to prepare fet. So they, a lot of them happen, I guess it just depends on your house and what you do. And a lot of people, will celebrate certain times for certain spirits. You mentioned that you went because the spirit of agriculture, that loa. Yes. I'm sure people are just like, wait, there's a loa for agriculture? I thought it was just like Papa Legba and like the bear. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there are more loa than I know of. I think a lot of people can relate where, you know, like you grow up in a Christian household and anything that's not Christian is considered to be kind of evil, yeah, demonic. Is there a side to voodoo that is like that? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, there, you have your good and bad with, with all spiritualities, with all religions. Is animal sacrifice a big thing? There is sacrifice, but the sacrifice isn't wasted because... Everybody goes out, out to buy chicken at the store, right? That chicken had to die for you to eat. And probably that chicken that you're buying from Purdue died way more painfully and horribly than yes. in a voodoo ceremony at a fed. Are there other animals that are sacrificed? It doesn't have to, it doesn't happen like most people think. There's certain seasons, there's certain loa for specific animals that, um, that they use. So it's not, it's not all the time. It's every so often, I'd say maybe once a year. One of the things that has created an, a, a surge in interest in voodoo, so recently yeah. there was a young 19-year-old woman who was not initiated into voodoo, and she decided that she was going to do some rituals. I don't know exactly where she got the rituals from. Was it from, I don't know, Google, who knows? And then she died mysteriously in her bathtub. People say she had a panic attack. Other people say that she had accidentally conjured or tried to talk to the Baron. So Mambo, let me ask you, let's say that somebody like me, okay, I'm not initiated. Even if I, as a non-initiate, in a very disrespectful way, and by disrespectful, I mean, I'm just like putting together a, a ritual, a magic ritual, just haphazardly decide that I want to talk to like, you know, the law of death, will I die? No, 
No, they don't go around just killing people. They got better things to do. I mean, honestly, <laughs> they do. They have better things to do than be bothered with our pettiness and our, you know, people just wanting to see some scary stuff. They probably won't even come. But a lot of people are saying that, you know, this is retribution. This is, she angered the Lawai or something like that. And you're like, no. <laughs> no, no, that sounds really crazy. I'm sorry. But no, no, they don't do these things. I mean, I don't now. I don't know what kind of ritual she did. And she opened herself up to other energies that could have probably, you know, came through, you know, a trickster spirit, a you never know what's walking around here. No, if I were like a con man spirit, right? <laughs> Spirits can tell you anything and mm -hmm. you wouldn't know. It's like you're literally sort of like those sweet old grannies who give all their money over to like some sort of con artist. Yeah. And this is why I think a teacher is very important, number one, and also getting a reading is very important yeah. because a reading will kind of cut through all the bullshit and be like, yeah, that wasn't a loa. So let's talk a little bit about closed practices because... Mm -hmm. There's many, many magical traditions and religions that are closed. Technically, Catholicism, you can't be a priest unless you initiate. You need a teacher to kind of guide you through it. And that's how I define a closed practice. How do you define a closed practice? Yeah, a closed practice, I agree with you. You need a, a teacher, a mentor, somebody who can help you walk through there. You know, um, you have to go through certain steps in order to become initiated into the house before you can even, you know, you can have a mentor or teacher in voodoo, but then if you want to get in the house, you have to initiate. Can you, you have to explain to me what that means, the difference between training versus being initiated and getting into a house? If you're not initiated, they can sit down, you can sit down with them and have conversations, um, get mentorship, things of that nature, begin the journey on to voodoo. They'll prep you for what is next to come. And then once you are ready, once the Loa say it is okay for them to go and initiate into the house, then there are certain steps and things that you have to do. Now, if I, let's say that I wanted to become initiated. Okay. I'm talking to you and I'm like, wow, you know, like for whatever reason, I can't stop thinking about this religion. You should get a reading to make sure that you are, that the Loa is calling you to do um, the voodoo. If the Loa are not calling you, it doesn't matter how much interest you have, you're not getting initiated. Correct. And then the question gets juicy, because it's like, okay, I want to be chosen by the Loa. Like, what, what's the criteria? What do I need to do? What sort of prayers? What sort of, you know, like, is there anything I can do to curry favor with the Loa because I really want to get initiated? No, there's nothing that you can really do to say, hey, I really want to join the house. Let me in. There, there's not really anything you can do. I mean, if you want to sit and pray to them and just pray, don't like nothing, don't do anything. <laughs> if, if anything, go to your ancestors first. Like, I'm guessing that there's knowledge that is not written anywhere, not anywhere on Google. There's no books about this. You literally have to like sit with a teacher who has yeah. initiated you to know it. Yes. Right. Because it, it wasn't written before. So it, everything is passed down through word of mouth. Like we actually were introduced via Mambo T mm -hmm. and she has written a book about uh, Vudan. 
Yeah, there's some there's a lot of history in there. And then there's she also tells um some things about the low wall as well. So it's a really good mix of things, you know. But the book is not gonna talk about stuff that is only for the initiated. No. So if somebody were to become initiated from okay, so in Korean shamanism, you have a ceremony and it's um it takes a long time to prepare and it's like a couple days like technically it's supposed to be like something like three days mm -hmm. and it's only if you successfully complete the ceremony and the ceremony to be honest it's expensive so you have to pay some money as well this isn't some like free thing either so you have to invest your money your time um, and you have to go through the ceremony and if you successfully complete it which means that the gods kind of favor you or they're just like okay um, it's only after that that you are now officially initiated into the tradition. Is that kind of what's going on in voodoo as well? This pretty much the same thing. You got to invest your time. You got to invest your money. You've got to go through a ceremony. The ceremonies are like a week. I know in certain traditions, like the initiations are quite painful. Is it kind of like you, you have to be kind of brave to go through it? Yeah, you do. You do. You it's best just not to know anything. A lot of people, their ears are going, bing. Yeah, <laughs> so, maybe I should have uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people do associate voodoo with mainly Haiti. There are so many um, other styles of voodoo that um, down in Africa, you know, it, it originated from Benin and with the, you know, Atlantic slave trade through the Caribbean, you know, everybody got kind of picked up, dropped off. And so they're, you know, the, the voodoo traveled down. And then that's kind of where it landed. I'm so glad you brought that up because I did an interview with uh, Jesse Hathaway Diaz and he was talking about sort of the syncretization of a lot of African traditional religions with Catholicism, with Christianity. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, the colonizers kind of foisted their Catholicism on the traditional African religions and to survive, they had to kind of mix it up. They had to hide um, their spirits. So that's why you see a lot of um, Catholic figures like uh, what St. Joseph and things they're associated with a specific Loa because they had to hide their practice. So with having a statue of St. Joseph, they could still practice to their Loa, but it just looks like they're practicing Catholicism. And that also touches upon the idea of, this is one of the reasons why, because of that history, mm -hmm. because of that history, it can be quite problematic for somebody who doesn't have that bloodline or that cultural uh, connection to, to practice voodoo or hoodoo as well, even though hoodoo is not technically a closed practice. Mm -hmm. What is the general idea about, let's say somebody who doesn't appear to have any sort of African blood in them, mm -hmm. um, wanting to be initiated? I would hope that they went to their ancestors first mm -hmm. and, and then they ha had been guided to a priest or priestess. Mm -hmm. and they went to the Loa and they did the reading. And if the Loa said that they are able to, you know, join the house, then and they're able to join the house. Are houses kind of like churches? Like you, you mentioned like different houses. So yeah. how many people are actually like in a house? Yeah, it just depends. Can um, there be hundreds? Yeah. Yeah, because you can begin to 
branch off like little sublets of houses uh-huh. within a big house. And people may be conflating voodoo with hoodoo. First of all, like, do you practice hoodoo at all? Yeah, I practice conjure. I call it conjure. Conjure. Yeah. I think some people also call it root working. Um, yeah. What's the difference between the two? Um, I say they're very close and similar, but being hoodoo, conjure being more open and, and voodoo being closed. And we have the loa as well. And there's really no, in conjure, we work with the ancestors. So it's really not much difference in, in the magical aspect because we still use the earth in both. You know, we still work with the roots. We still use the earth. It still came from a place of struggle. Let's say that I'm very interested in voodoo, right? But I'm just like, okay, I kind of understand that right now I'm like a new witch. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend that maybe try some hoodoo, try some conjure and see like if I'm, if I vibe with that? Um, I'd still tell you to find an elder. Now, That's... why for some, a system that's more open like conjure, why still find an elder? Because you, you still don't know what you're working with. You still, if you're a newbie and you're just coming in here willy nilly guns blazing, you don't know what you got going on. You know, you're just walking in a graveyard. You don't know how to enter the graveyard. You don't know how to give service to the to the spirits. You don't know how to do any of that. That's why you need an elder for that too. You know, because you can pick up all kinds of attachments and things and bring them back to your house and wonder why everything is going haywire. Yes. Oh my God. You know what freaks me out when I watch like those like ghost um, ghost adventure shows where somebody goes to Alcatraz with their little tour group and they decide I'm going to take a little dirt as souvenir from Alcatraz and it's like why would you do that (laughs) would you go into a science laboratory and pick up a vial of coronavirus like 20 (laughs) why would you do that exactly you're not initiated but you want to give an offering to the baron yeah just don't somebody like um is watching this video and they feel like they want to have more connection and they decide, oh, let me give something to, to Legba. I mean, but you got to know what they like, you know? You can't just randomly give them, I don't know, a cupcake <laughs> if they don't like a cupcake, <laughs> you know? Basically, even if you were to Google what they like, it may not necessarily be right. Right. I would just you know, let go to a practitioner. And if they uh, say that, okay, I spoke with Legba and he said it's okay to give him X, Y, and Z, you know, and they give you instructions to do this, but they're not going to give you no work. I'm just going to tell you flat out. They're not going to give you no work. They just give you instructions to sit with him and maybe commune with him, nothing else. I have a couple of questions from TikTok. Hi there. My question pertains to voodoo and media. Specifically, what are your opinions on how voodoo and um, Pan-African practices have been portrayed in modern media, such as TV, news, and all that? Thanks so much for your insight. I I think they're doing a horrible representation of any sort of African spirituality Mm. because they're not really going to the source. They're just basing it off of what they think, you know, and it automatically goes to the devil or fear or evil or something bad 
are there any examples you can think of where you're just like, what the fuck are they talking about? I, I'm sick of seeing the, the American Horror Story leg bus. He gets to smell the delicious chicken and never get it but <laughs> Honestly, the, um, that one, I, I'm, I'm over it. Because <laughs> that's not leg bus. As we all know, voodoo is a closed practice, but you can still practice it if you are an, if an active member invites you. Correct me if I'm wrong. When you first went to that fete, mm -hmm. the agricultural loa, yeah, you were not initiated yet. Right. Your your ex at the time he he invited you and you came, but you weren't part of the actual ceremony. You were an observer. I was an observer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, are these fets, uh, are they public events? Can anybody mm -hmm. come? Yes. You can only practice after you've been initiated. Yes. And when we say initiation, it means that you had a reading and you've had like that week-long ceremony. Yeah. And you've completed that ceremony successfully. Yes. And not yeah. everybody completes it successfully. Yeah, no. And depending on where your house is, you may have to travel to Haiti. Yeah. And before, even before you even step foot into the initiation ceremony, you're going to be tested heavily beforehand. You mean tested in just regular life, like the other in members of the house? Yeah, in just regular life, not even in nobody else's life just in your life to, to strengthen you to see how strong you are to see if you can actually go through it it's not just like you go into that ceremony and then the trial starts it's like everything leading up to that ceremony is a trial yes a trial let's say you successfully go through the initiation you go through that week-long ceremony by the skin of your teeth you're able to be successful are the trials mm -hmm. over no no <laughs> They just be given. Would you say, in your opinion, that the trials that a Hugan or a Mambo go through, would they be more intense than somebody who decides not to initiate? Yeah. Yeah. Because they have to break you down in order to build you up stronger. So this literally is not like a, yay, fun thing to do. This is a commitment for life. This is a lifetime commitment, yes, yes. My godfather always puts it as we are broken clay pots and piece by piece, the low are putting us back together. So if you decide to commit to this path and become initiated, there's a very good chance that the rest of your life is gonna be devoted to the breaking down and building back up by mm -hmm. the low are. So it's not gonna be yeah. easy. The question is also, what do you see in people to I guess the question is to initiate them. I mean, is there something special, some particular characteristic, or is it just intuition? I'd say it's just a loa, you know. If you're honestly led to a person, then in the loa say, okay, yeah, they can initiate, then it is. It's, there's no, I'm a, um, I'm a mambo, and I look at your energy, and yeah, I think you can go in there. No, that's not how it works. I can't just determine that you're fit to go in there. That's not my decision. Right. And I also want to stress that, for example, like you and I, we're talking right now, you know, we've been chilling for like an hour or so, but we're not in a reading, right? So you're, you're not 
right speaking with the low wall right now so if i were to ask you at this moment oh you know do you think i could initiate i can't answer right i can't answer no it's not like you can meet like a, a mambo at the grocery store and just ask her another question hi um i just had six quick questions for you i'm actually a beginner witch right now and um what is voodoo in general where did the name voodoo come from like where did this origin um well pause it right there so she's asking okay um what's voodoo in general and where did voodoo the name come from i'm not sure about the name i'm really not sure about the name i'd have to look that one up but voodoo in, in general is about community. I always feel like it's about community because we come together in the Fed and we celebrate the Loa and we celebrate the people and we help the people. But then when you come home, it becomes individual, you know, because it's you who have to build that um, connection with the spirit. You have to build that relationship. It's like me and you talking, um, we're building the connection, we're building a relationship. So you have to do the same thing with the Loa because they're not just going to, not the first time you sit down, they're not going to do anything for you. They're, you sit there and ask them for something crazy and they probably just look at you like, oh, okay. It's the same as like, I see it all the time just in social media when people are interacting. It's like somebody will, you know, like on Instagram, they'll try to tag Beyonce and be like, Beyonce, do this favor for me. And it's sort of like, why would Beyonce do this favor for you? Right? <laughs> Yeah. Like she doesn't know you, you know what yeah, have you done for exactly. her? So that kind of reminds yeah. me of what you're saying. Like the Loa, they're kind of like a Beyonce. They're they're this like this superstar, right? It's like why, yeah. why would they? If you don't develop a relationship, like an authentic relationship with them, it's not like they hate you and they're just ignoring you. But it's like they've got other shit to do. Exactly. Okay, then she continues. How is voodoo relevant today, and why are people drawn to it in, you know, this modern era? How is voodoo relevant today? How is it relevant? It's relevant because people keep talking about the, the fear-based stuff in it, you know? They're not talking about the good that it is. They're only talking about the bad that they see in movies and what they've learned from Christianity or any other religion who deems it wrong. Mm -hmm. So it, we have to begin to change the narrative of voodoo so that it's not relevant for fear. It needs to be relevant for what it really is, which is the good that it can do for the community. When we have the fets, they are celebrating the loa and honoring them. So they come and they get service and they get, you know, what, what's meant for them so that we can continue to be prosperous and continue to go about our daily lives. And service for the community is they get fed. You know, you can, you can actually come up and talk to the loa and get a blessing, oh. you know, so that is... Yeah, so that is a thing. So you can um, be an observer, but you can also come up, you know, when it's allowed to come up and speak to the Loa while they're there at the FET. So when you mentioned the, the FET that you went to before you were initiated, and you said that the Loa came down to a horse or somebody who 
is the yeah. embody is going to embody the spirit um, of the yeah. law. So yes. During that fet, was there a period where people could go up to the, that person who's being the law and get blessings yes. or ask them advice about their health or their you know sick relative or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It'd be like kind of Jesus coming down and you know yeah. you're sort of embodying Jesus. And so mm -hmm. if that person, let's say, puts their hand on a sick child, the spirit of the Lawa is going to go through the, the hand and help the child? That energy, that energy could. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. How can people learn more about what sort of fets are happening in their neck of the woods? Find your local, if there is, I mean, there's not a lot of places where, you know, that I know about. I know there's a lot in like New York. A lot of hugans and mambos like in New York, um, but I don't know about any other kind of places. But yeah, find a find a mambo. You know, look on social media. A lot of people advertise their fets on social media. Is there a voodoo bible? I've always wondered this. Um, Is there a voodoo bible? No. <laughs> no, it's like everything is passed down through word of mouth, you know, because they didn't read or write because of, you know, slavery and things of that nature. So they had to keep their things within them. And if anybody were to publish a book that claims to be a Bible or some sort of like uh, official, don't believe it. Yeah, no, I would know. Mm -mm. Because there's things that just can't be shared. Personally, I feel that it's kept secret because of the way that um, they had to keep it secret from the slave trade. All the, the people who tried to harm them and everything else. And then there's also the fact that they don't, they might not want it colonized, honestly. People take things and then they flip it and spin it and they do all of these things with it and it just becomes muddled. It, it's no longer pure. This concept that I think many Americans have never dealt with, um, especially um, white Americans, when people say this is a woman-only space, this is a person of color-only space, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of Americans, uh, white Americans are not used to that. And so they're just like, oh my God, that's, you know, that's so exclusionary, that, that's racist. It's kind of hypocritical because we used to have Black-only black only water fountains, Black-only bathrooms, black, and now we can't even have a a space for, you know, people of color to just be. Are there any voodoo gods or goddesses that you either worship or work with? Okay, so she's asking what sort of voodoo gods or goddesses you work with, and we've talked about how the Lua are not gods or goddesses. Correct, and we don't worship them. No, we service, we do service. It's a give and take relationship. So when you build that relationship up, you you sit down with them and you give them water, candle, whatever food they like to whatever food they like to eat, and in exchange for whatever it is that you're they're doing for you. Do you ever directly work with that one supreme God, or it's always through the Loa? I um you know I pray to God, I pray to everybody when I go to sleep, but I usually don't work with any sort of God. You want some action to happen, you would work with the Loa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Distinction. Yeah. And again, you don't worship them. You're working with them. It's a respectful, almost professional yes. relationship. Yes. Exactly. Like they're family. 
like family, you, know, you go to your mom and you're like, mom, can you help me with X, Y, Z? And I'll give you X, Y, Z. I treat them like they're my family. You know, they are my family. You know, I love and respect them and they love and respect me. Have there ever been situations where uh, somebody who was initiated decided to hang up their cloak, you know, like to stop? I, I've not, I've not personally heard of one person to do that, but I mean, I'm sure there has been. Or for how different or similar is voodoo compared to Wiccan and witchcraft? I think mm -hmm. all initiated traditions are kind of similar in that they're secrets yeah. um, that we can speculate, but the thing is, is that we see, only see the surface level. Like I will, I'm not yes. initiated into Wicca, so I don't know like all the deeper stuff. So I can only say what I see on the very like every day what they choose to show. So what they're actually yeah. like may not be anything <laughs> like what I think. It yeah, is. exactly. Yeah, I think one of the main things that people would also be very curious to know, and one of the reasons why I'm not making this video into about, mm, let's just talk about all the Loa, you know, because it's sort of like, yeah. in a way, I kind of feel like there's no point. Talk to an elder. Yeah. Like, you can't yeah. learn about the Loa through a YouTube video. Yeah. No. And if you're really that interested, then you would want to talk to somebody who's actually initiated um, to learn more about exactly. them. So I just really hope that people know that, you know, like, don't be shy about seeking out actual priests, priestesses, rugans, mambos of the tradition. And you mentioned that you, there's different levels, like, yeah. start off at a, like, can you talk more about different levels? The, um, there's three, there's three that I know of. Mm -hmm. There's Hunsi, Sapuin, and Mambo Asagwe. So Mambo Sapuin and Mambo Asagwe. Mm -hmm. So Mambo Asagwe is like the, what, high priestess? Would it so be like a black belt? Like if you're doing yeah. works, yeah. black belt? Yeah, the black belt, yeah. Is, are some people, when they're initiated, it's like the Lua are just like, you're starting from the top. Or yeah, some people do, actually. Yeah, first time in, they'll, if they want you there, they'll put you there. So like the Honzi, you're just starting out. You don't know all the secrets. You don't know how to do much. Uh-huh. You can do something, but you can't do a lot. You can go, you, yeah, yeah, you can go up. That's the, that's the point. They kind of start you off there to see if you can handle it. Uh -huh. Now with Supreme, you can do a lot, but you, you're not going to learn everything. And, and then, then once you get up to top, yeah, you get to, you get all the information. Do you offer readings? Do you offer um, guidance? I do offer readings. I offer guidance. Um, pretty easy. I'm easy going to talk to. So, you know, just approach me, you know, respectfully. And I'm not, I don't have a problem with, with speaking to you. Um, um, I do lamp services for, for people. Um, and that is, it's like candle work, but I make the lamp myself. People would come to you for that sort of service in particular for what sort of issues? Just like any sort of candle work. Like if you want love, money, health. Where do people find you on social media? On social media, I am um, Beautifully Deadly Conjure on Instagram. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Beautiful Deadly Conjure. <laughs> My spirit told me to name it that. 
it was one of the low off because I went, I went to her and I was asking her about, you know, business stuff and, and things of that nature. And then she goes, um, well, what do you always call the ocean? And I go beautifully deadly because the ocean, I love the ocean. And so, um, I always describe the ocean as beautifully deadly because it's so beautiful to watch the waves and everything, but in the quickness, it can snatch you under and you did. What are three songs that you feel represent your spiritual practice, your magic? Hmm. I would say um, there's a song by Stacy Barth. It's called Before I Knew Me. This is me um, Before I Knew Me is a song about um, growth. You know, it looking back on who you were versus who you are today. Demar is T-E-A-M-A-R-R. Her song, In My Mind. And In My Mind is a song about, um, it's kind of where I am a lot of times, where my ideas flow. And I'm always creating things. So that kind of fits me, fits the bill. And um, acronyms, Nubian Delight. Nubian Delight is about um, being an African queen and, well, you know. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> so, Mumble Sierra, thank you so much for speaking with me and for answering some of these questions. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You know, I'm always here to try to dispel um, the fear of voodoo and, and put it into a positive light because, you know, it's, it's really beautiful. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off. <laughs>